Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. It's Monday, 19 December. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you loud and recorded from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, we're chatting with Mateta Tolari from RMB. I want to touch currencies in 2022. You know the Russian ruble? Close green. Uh, and U.S. dollar strength seems to be on the wane. And then chatting with Viv Govender uh, from Rand Swiss. Geopolitical impact on the markets. It, it's, it's been a year with geopolitics. We've had relative conference in uh, China. Of course, we've got war in Europe, which has all sorts of implications. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. I'm chatting with uh, Mateta Tolari. He is head of FX execution at RMB. Mateta, appreciate the time as always. A, 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 a strange year in currencies. Two really stand out. The one is I've pulled up the chart of the ruble against the dollar, and it starts the year at around sort of 75 ish. Uh, war happens, it goes all the way out to 130 odd. And now it's at 62. It's actually strengthened over a course of a year in which, uh, well, I mean, Russia's been sanctioned to, to heck and gone. And, and yet the currencies are strengthened, which to me, I mean, this is currencies. I, I, I look at them and I often end up scratching my head. Yeah, so morning, Simon. I suppose it's a very interesting one because, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, when the year started and obviously the geopolitical tension between Russia and Ukraine started, the Russia was obviously, um, the Russian rubles really got battered, I mean. Then, you know, subsequent to all of that, and I mean, now when you think about it, we're actually 10 months into the geopolitical Mm. tension, and the tables have turned. I mean, despite all the sanctions, I mean, you saw the headlines coming out from the minute um, political tension started, the sanctions from the West, in terms of the banking system, in terms of obviously even the energy prices, that factored through into a whole capitulation of uh, the Russian reserve system. But nonetheless, I mean, 10 months later, the Russian ruble is actually the best performing emerging market currency (laughs) on a year-to-date basis. You know, Um, it's returned about 19.7% against the dollar. This is really Relative to the South African rand, which is the 11th worst um, performer in this basket of emerging market currencies. I mean, we've lost about 7% against the dollar in the very same time period. So we we need not forget that there's been a lot of things uh, that's happened over the past year. I mean, if you think about it, this year was about inflation Mm -hmm. and interest rates and energy prices and you know, if you think about, you know, the world now starting to go back into fossil fuel and coal because of what's happened um, in terms of the geopolitical tension out in um, Eastern Europe, it just tells you a story that it's been quite interesting because now the backdrop has actually, uh, you know, cascaded in the sense that for two years, the focus was really about COVID-19 and the pandemic. And now we've actually shifted to something different, which is obviously now the inflation uh, outlook, the interest rate outlook globally, and all obviously the energy um, prices globally. I mean, this has just shown itself with gold prices, with oil prices. And you can start seeing that even now, 
just uh, this week we saw obviously uh, the European sanctions on Russia oil um, mm-hmm. and obviously energy prices. I mean, that just shows you that it looks like now we're moving from one theme to the next. But as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, the China situation in terms of COVID-19 has not dissipated and it's still there. And obviously this also means that there still could be a lot of volatility, especially heading into 2023. And and one of the key things that from from that that ruble and and we've seen it in the zone we've seen it in other, uh, you know, geopolitics matters. But truthfully, if you're an exporting nation and you're doing a lot of exports, and in the case of Russia, it is oil, um, your your currency can strengthen regardless, simply because that's just good old fashioned trade economics 101. Hundred percent. I mean, and I suppose also, but if you also think about it, I mean, this year has just been one of those years where it's been a bit of a strange year, if you think about it. I mean, what <laughs> yeah. you also re- realize is the fact that uh, the context matters. I mean, for for us, it's been a case of global markets, liquidity, the fundamentals in the geopolitical space, the geo- the fundamentals, and also um, you know the emerging market space. That's been an interesting one. But I mean, if you think about it as well, I mean. Um, you know, the mere fact that OPEC has been cutting supply um, over the past couple of months has also helped Russia, right? So obviously, this is also helping. But I mean, if you think about what's happening now in terms of um, the Brent crude oil prices, I mean, at some point when we started the year, there were major banks that were calling for $200 a barrel. We haven't gotten there. But, you know, it just shows you the nature of these markets. I mean, now we are sitting at $76 a barrel. What does it mean for, for, the, for the world? It's going to be quite interesting as we head into 2023, especially um, if this war continues. And obviously, uh, I think if anything, you know, even just the other day, you're seeing even the likes of Croatia now coming into the Schengen area. Yeah. It also just shows you the, the, the political state and the, the, the shift in dynamics um, in Europe are also shifting. So it's also going to be interesting to see how these underlying uh, things also play themselves out into the new year. Yeah, and I'd forgotten about that call for oil at 200. In fact, I think someone out there was saying 350 uh, Jeffries, I think. It didn't even get close. Let's switch to, to the US dollar, the dollar index. Um, we saw massive strength in, in, in the dollar, and it made sense. The world was scared, so when you're scared, you go buy dollars. You could also, rising rates, you could buy a 10-year and get 3 or 3.5%. Um, and that DXY chart, which is a dollar index chart, from, from my noviceness, it looks like dollar strength is perhaps over as... There's still fears out there, but maybe we're learning to live with it a bit. I think that's the problem. I mean, as we say, this year has honestly been about uh, U.S. inflation. I mean, you know, if you think about also this year, that's why it's important to also look at some of the things that happened this year. I mean, for the first time in a a, a few years, we even saw euro-dollar going below parity. That shows mm. you how much dollar strength has been in the market. But also, if you think about what's happened even in terms of U.S. inflation and interest rate hikes, I mean, Jerome Powell has came out for the first time this year, guns blazing, obviously trying to make sure that he brings inflation down. If you think about it, same thing that Mr. Chakanyahu has been trying to mirror. So, you know, the hikes have also been quite interesting. I mean, no one would have predicted a year ago for us to be seeing uh, 75 basis point increases from the Fed, you know, and obviously that's mm-hmm. just shown the amount of strength uh, that's came through into into the dollar and, and I mean, across the board, um, you know, when you think 
think about it's been a case of dollar strength, but also, you know, even the likes of cable. I mean, we've seen also yeah. what happened in terms of politics in the UK. That's also made, you know, the the, the, the sterling against the dollar also, uh, you know, capitulates to levels that we never thought we'd see. I mean, it just shows you that the dollar has been relentless this year, combined with the fact that, you know, inflation at this point in time is obviously still running high. But I suppose also what's going to be quite interesting is also the numbers uh, that we see as we close off the year. As you've seen with different Fed members, you know, there's some that obviously want a 50 basis point hike. There's some that are still calling for 75. There are some that are also still saying, look, we're not out of the woods yet. We still Mm -hmm. need to wait for inflation to really come down. So it just shows you that don't forget that as soon as we start 2023, we've still got another meeting from the Fed and the Reserve Bank locally. So it's going to be quite an interesting one as to as much as we're closing off the year, we're going to start off the year with another bang, especially given the amount of event risk that's still coming in, especially given the fact that Jerome Powell and the guys there will still want to hike rates, especially in the new year. Yeah, we're going straight into it in January. Uh, Euro was, what, almost just below 96 and is now up by almost 106 against the dollar. A quick last question. The czar, the rattlesnake, as you call it, often referred to as the, the sort of proxy. If you want to take a view on emerging market currencies, it's just easiest to do the czar because we're so incredibly liquid and it's nice and easy. Is that still a factor? Did we get battered by something that might be happening in, in other EMs from time to time? Very much so. I mean, obviously, the RAND is a proxy, but I think, as I say, the one thing that you find in this year is that it's been one of the anomalies. I mean, obviously, as we've said, in the month of December, the RAND tends to strengthen quite significantly. But I suppose, as we all know, this year feels like a bit like... 2015 and 2016, where now Mm. politics are taking center stage. But if you think about it, just from a year-to-date perspective, the RAND is usually one of the most volatile currencies in the world. But, you know, when we looked at it by October, we had dropped down to about 13th place in terms of volatility. So if you think about it, markets are obviously trading of global themes at this point in time. The dollar is the big focus. The interest rate outlook is the big focus. The inflation outlook is a big focus. But now, also, when we think about it locally and we start digesting what's happening from our end, I think this is where it's going to be quite interesting, especially given the fact that as we close off December and enter into the new year, and also the first two months of the new year, there's quite a lot of risk that is still coming. I mean, if you think about it right now, we still have ESCOM issues, stage six, that's still lingering about. I mean, there's been talk about potentially that we could even go even further to stage seven or eight which will obviously impact you know the the the, the economic mm. growth outlook there is also now ANC's elective conference post that that's also the ANC's 8th of January statement that happens every year that now we need to also start digesting. And then after that, there's also the Reserve Bank meetings that start off the year. And then after that, we all know in February, as Parliament opens, there's also uh, the, the, the budget statement from the Finance Minister combined with you know, what's happening in the background regarding the president and the Palapala, um, you know, scandal. It just shows you that, if, you know, from a local fund, we're not short of news. And also, you know, there's also some of the state-owned enterprises besides ESCOM, the likes of Chancellor that are also, also um, having force measures and then obviously retracting those. It just shows you there's quite a lot that will impact the RAND besides the global picture. And I think it is the perfect cocktail for the rattlesnake to actually show us what it can do over the next few weeks.
Yep, and we're getting into 2023. Wear your helmet. Uh, Mateta Tulari, Head of FX Execution, RMB. Always appreciate the time. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Viv Governor from Rand Swiss. I say, Viv is the chap who thinks a lot, goes down rabbit holes, comes back with some, some, some really astounding stuff. One of them, Viv, you mentioned just before we came on air now, was, was AI. This has been a giant year. We've got Stable Diffusion, uh, Dolly E, where I can literally put text into a, into a program and it brings back pieces of art that I could never in my lifetime draw. We've got the uh, GPT chatbot all over the Twitters at the moment. This has been a, a stellar year for artificial intelligence. Yes, and I think it's just going to get um, even more in a bit of stellar going forward. Because if you look at the uh, the jump up we've seen in the last couple of years, the difference between DALI and DALI 2, or between you know, GPT-2 and GPT-3 is astounding. And as far as we can determine, we haven't hit the uh, it's any kind of limitation or plateau in terms of the returns you're getting for the data you're putting in. That's this, how these things work. You put in more and more mm-hmm. billions of pieces of data in, and the results become more and more surprising more and more interesting. Uh, yeah, so th- I think that is a trend going forward. You talked about you know, stable diffusion, open AI. These are companies that are already starting to get valuations that are in the billions of dollars. And they have no, no there is a slight kind of uh, you know, use case out there where you pay a small subscription for things like Midjourney or Dali or so on. But there's no really, you know, it's a real uh, commercial case uh, at the moment out there. But the market is seeing something and I think they are getting on this uh, train as early as possible. I take your point on, on the valuation, but I mean, you, we've both been in the tech, you know, online, etc., for for decades. And often things arrive, and you look at it, and you're like, "It's really great." I don't know what it's good for necessarily. And then sort of stuff happens, and 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 in time, it it, it becomes clearer. And and I mean, certainly this this AI that we're seeing, yeah, right now, not doing much. Maybe you know, it's it's fun. In time, it's going to be huge, and it's going to be revenue that we can't even dream of. Well, you must certainly look. I mean, not to understate the use case. I mean, I've seen apparently uh, Mattel, the guys that make Hot Wheels, mm-hmm. have been using uh, tools, uh, these programs to basically uh, design or get ideas for new cars. So they're basically putting some prompts in there, like fancy wheels or whatever it may be. They get a car out, and then they basically use that picture to base to base a new design idea on. There's a company in Germany that makes some kind of beverage, and they've basically used uh, these programs as well to design the can cover. <laughs> uh, for the beverages. I mean, think about it out there. Every single piece of artwork you see, not like the real good stuff, like the mm. Picasso's and whatnot, but, you know, the posters and the little kind of you know, drawings on the side of like, you know, which was, uh, you know, advertising or whatever, has been done by a human. Humans that are paid significant amounts of money, you know, uh, that can basically at the moment all be replaced by these yeah. programs. Okay, uh, th- that is almost all graphic design disappearing. Uh, I'm not to say that the best is not going to be basically out there making a living, but a lot of the guys that are just making you know midstream workers is going to be difficult. Uh, at the same time, I know personally a couple of people that are doing marketing copying uh, that are using uh, the GPT uh, program to mm-hmm. basically do some of the stuff, and uh, 
look, it's not exactly the most uh, interesting stuff out there. But as one person once just told me, basically, uh, they don't get the grammar wrong and they don't get the spelling wrong, which is an important part of you know, getting copyright. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, it, it really helps you out if you just basically put it in a, uh, uh, kind of a prompt around something that you think is interesting and uh, it comes out and you may just edit it a bit but it's a lot easier than writing it from scratch uh, so this is already in the last two or three weeks that this, this program has been out and actual commercial you know copywriters are using it uh, so it's it's an amazing thing and like I said right now what we are seeing is not the end it's going to get better in the future yeah this this is the very very early days uh, switching to big stuff uh, war in europe uh, my sense is, is that the war's not going anywhere but we're kind of learning to live with it obviously it has energy issues uh, europe is trying to work their way around that but i mean there, there's no i mean putin's not going to go home and, and 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 sort of say sorry ukraine's not going to say you can have a part of our country this is just going to be much like the north and south korea it's an armistice rather than a peace? Oh, look, I mean, this winter is going to be the key thing. Uh, if Europe is able to come out of the winter relatively unscathed, uh, I think that that might be the case. Mm-hmm. If I have a go through winter and it, it is a, a disaster, blackouts, that kind of stuff, there might be a lot more emphasis on trying to sort this thing out. Um, at the same time, I mean, there, there's always a temptation, and this is my fear. I mean, if, if Putin really wants Europe to suffer of winter, and the hope that that's what's going to be the thing that uh, helps him out. There's this huge storage of like energy out there that you know is very flammable and very explosive. Yeah. Uh, the wrong spark at the wrong time could be very you know damaging. Um, and you know that is my fear that there might be some kind of sabotage, some kind of escalatory you know action happening uh, around you know these uh, around the winter time uh, because he might view this as the time in which basically uh, if he can put a bit of pressure on places like Germany and France and so on, uh, he can basically go to the table with a bit of negotiation power and get, you know, the crime, obviously Crimea is what he wants to keep, and a couple other pieces, enough to keep his, uh, you know, safe face effectively. The Ukrainians are fighting incredibly bravely, but they are not going to be able to fight without Western support. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and that is something I think that, you know, that he's counting on. And like I said, it, obviously, in that scenario, anything that bad that happens to, for instance, uh, you know, we knew what Nord Stream was a was a sabotage event. Mm-hmm. Who did that? Uh, probably not him, but you know, th- that's the kind of stuff in play at the moment. Something similar happening to, for instance, you know, even the Keystone Pipeline, which you know had a problem recently, uh, could mm. really be working in his favour. Yeah, I take a point in that. And I suppose hadn't thought of that. Winter's going to be the the big one. China. We had Xi Jinping got his third term uh, at the, at the People's Conference. There was no surprise to that. Now walking back the zero COVID policy. I get why he's doing it. Do you think he? It's it's going to be messy. There's going to be fertilities. There's going to be hospitals that are are overflowing as he does this. Do do, do you think he's going to have the the the, the courage and the populace behind him to be able to really get zero uh, his new COVID policy? policy in place? I think he is. The populace is, is very focused on, on like living beyond it. I mean, look at us and in, in the rest of the world as well. Mm. Uh, you may not realize it because it's not being on the news, but COVID is ticking up again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there is new variants out there. It is ticking up again, but we're just ignoring it. It's something we like to live with. In China, they're going to do the same thing. Uh, I, I, one interesting thing I learned was apparently in China, they, they tolerate protests quite uh, a lot. Uh, it's actually a part of their political system. Uh, because mm-hmm. they don't have that normal feedback loop of uh, democracy 
protests are how the government learns that things are not in shape. So we may be thinking that protests are all banned in China. No, they're allowed. The thing that he doesn't want to have happen is coordinated protests across multiple you know, jurisdictions that you know focus on the government, which is what was happening with COVID. And this is what they had to activate quickly. Uh, but I do think that they're going to you know, uh, get through this in terms of that. One thing that did bother me was why are they doing this here? Was there something that they knew that we did not know? You know, was there some specific, you know, genetic component that make the Chinese population more vulnerable to, uh, you know, the after effects mm-hmm. also may have COVID? Was there something around, for instance, the, the what COVID does generally that they were scared of? Because the actions they were taking were insane. I mean, talking about locking on 100 million people for a few dozen cases, uh, you know, literally welding people into their uh, buildings and so on. Fingers crossed, this was all just a bit of communist madness that happens all the time. We know about Mao's Great Leap and, you know, about the the, mm-hmm. the, the Russians doing crazy stuff as well. Uh, and this was just a weird, normal communist thing. If that's the case, back to normal. If there's something more deep into it, we're all in trouble, basically. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I do think they'll get through this without any problem. If it's just the normal, you know, things that we, we think... Uh, are happening at the moment. We'll leave it there. Viv Governor and Swiss Viv. Always appreciate early mornings today and over the course of the year. Thanks for having me. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. That's it for today. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, recorded this week on the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobokhle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. The year tech came back down to earth. Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday. For more business, finance and investment news. MoneyWeb Now on the money. Also available on podcast.